watching her or speaking. The judges' chambers were in shadow except for a few horizontal slices of late afternoon sunlight that shone through the blinds on the wood-paneled wall. Judge Kramer sat in his old oak swivel chair, with his robe unzipped, but with the yoke still resting on his shoulders. He loosened his tie and leaned back, making the chair's springs creak, then pressed the play button on the tape recorder. There were sounds of chairs scraping, papers shuffling, and a garble of murmured conversation, so that the judge's empty chambers seemed to be crowded with invisible people. A female voice came from somewhere too close to the microphone. This deposition is to be taken before Julia R. Kinnock, court stenographer at 501 North Spring Street, Los Angeles, California, at 10, 17 a.m. on November 3rd. The court's instructions were that if there is an objection to the use of a tape recorder, it will be turned off. There was silence. Will the others in the room please identify themselves? David M. Schoenfeld, court-appointed counsel to Timothy Phillips. Schoenfeld's voice was smooth, and each syllable took too long to come out. Judge Kramer could almost see him leaning into the microphone to croon. Nina Coffey, Department of Children's Services, Los Angeles County, in the capacity of guardian for a minor person. Kramer had read her name on a number of official papers, but he had never heard her voice before. It was clear and unapologetic, the words quick and clipped, as though she were trying to guard against some kind of vulnerability. Kyle Ambrose, Assistant District Attorney, Los Angeles. As usual, the prosecutor sounded vaguely confused, a pose that had irritated Kramer through six or seven long trials. Then came the low, monotone voices that were at once self-effacing and weighty, voices of men who had spent a lot of time talking over radios. They started quietly and grew louder, because the last part of each name was the important part. Lieutenant James E. Bates, Los Angeles Police Department. Agent Joseph Gould, Federal Bureau of Investigation. There was some more shuffling of papers, and then Julia Kinnick said, Mr. Ambrose, do you wish to begin? Ambrose's parched, uncertain voice came in a beat late. Well, will you state your name for the record, please? There was some throat clearing, and then the high, reedy voice of a young boy. Tim. Timothy John Phillips. Schoenfeld's courtroom voice intoned, Perhaps it would be a good idea to ask that the records show that Lieutenant Bates and Agent Gould here, present, have verified that the deponent's fingerprints match those of Timothy John Phillips, taken prior to his disappearance. The two voices muttered, so verified, in the tone of a response in a church. Amen, thought Kramer. Schoenfeld had managed to sidestep onto the record with the one essential fact to be established in the case from Schoenfeld's point of view. Ambrose's voice became slow and clear as he spoke to the boy. You are to answer of your own accord. You are not to feel that you are in any way obligated to tell us things you don't want to. Judge Kramer could imagine Ambrose's dark eyes flicking to the faces of Schoenfeld, the lawyer, and Nina Coffey, the social worker. It was a confidence game, as Ambrose's legal work always was. 
The kid would have to answer all of the questions at some point, but Ambrose was trying to put the watchdogs to sleep. Mr. Schoenfeld is here as your lawyer, so if you have any doubts, just ask him. And Mrs. Coffey will take you home if you're too tired. Do you understand? The small, high-pitched voice said, Yes. How old are you? Eight. Can you tell me, please, your earliest recollections? Judge Kramer clenched his teeth. You mean ever? Yes. I remember. I guess I remember a lot of things. Christmas, birthdays. I remember moving into our house in Washington. When was that? I don't know. A male voice interjected. The lease on the Georgetown house began four years ago on January 1st. That was established in...